And thank you, Ashley. Uh, thank y'all for being here tonight. I know that it's not because I'm teaching, it's because kids were singing that you're all seated so close to the front. That's the only way that people ever move close to the front, I think, in a Baptist church. But again, thank you to our We Praise team and all of our WAM leaders and workers and all those that really take the time each week to serve our kids, but not just to serve our kids, but to serve uh, their families as well. And we're excited uh, to see them tonight. What an exciting few weeks it's been here at Lindsay Lane. Like, I don't know if you've been able to take part with us over the last few weeks, but like we have had a lot going on in the month of May. And I just kind of want to take a minute to share that with you because I think sometimes as a church, like we don't see like, or sometimes we don't look at a church calendar or like if your family is like our family, the month of May uh, is just like a marathon and also a sprint all at the same time to just get everybody out of school or to get to summer so you can kind of catch your breath. But in the month of May, and I would even back up to that last Sunday in April, the last Sunday in April, we had child and baby dedication here at the church. Then in beginning in May, we have had a high school graduation recognition on the first Sunday. We had our senior adult luncheon and recognition that same Sunday. Uh, we've had our Wednesday night messages that are on our twist and turns Bible curriculum for VBS or best week ever. We've had Sunday, uh, Sunday morning group leader training. Last Wednesday night, we had WAM's children program. We had the Christian Academy's graduate breakfast last Thursday. Then they had their graduation on Friday. Then on Saturday, we had East Limestone soccer banquet here. Their baccalaureate service was also here Sunday. We also recognized Bradley and Karen Griggs and their ministry here at Lindsay Lane. And then tonight, we have We Pray Singing. And then also this past week, I don't know if you realize that we've had a mission team out with our Carpenters for Christ. So just in the month of May, and just FYI, if you've lost track of your calendar, there's still a week left in the month of May. I know it feels like it will never end, but like that's just a reminder of all the things that our church has been able to be a part of. Uh, and you may say, well, why do you share that with us? Well, because like I said, sometimes I know we get caught up in events and a calendar and we just miss really we miss what the Lord is doing. Like we miss seeing where he's at work, even in an activity such as like East Limestone soccer banquet. Like I know probably a lot of us were not there, but our church has the facilities and we're able to host that and be a minister to them and to that community and to that school uh, and everything in between. Like we've done all these things and all of these point uh, really back to the blessings of the Lord on our church. And like just how good he has been to us and given us the responsibility uh, to continue to seek the Lord and to share the gospel with those around us and to disciple believers and teach the truth of God's word. Like we continue to serve here at Lindsay Lane for the glory of God and the good of man. And so tonight, as we continue this uh, last session of the curriculum for our best week ever, looking at the life of Peter uh, and the study of his life, in case you've not been with us, I kind of want to take a minute just to kind of catch you up because if you're like me, hopefully you're not, I've missed almost every one of these sessions because I've been doing counseling stuff during this hour. So I've missed it. So I had to go back and catch up on what all it is that we're covering. I'm also teaching the same curriculum during the week of VBS. Hopefully that goes better than it did last year. Uh, if you've never taught or you feel like, hey, I need to learn how to teach or I would give you some advice. I would say if you can teach during VBS to a group of kids, you can teach anybody. If you could teach students in middle school or high school, you can teach anybody. Last year, if it makes you like, well, you went to school to be a teacher, all that stuff. Well, last year, as I taught the VBS curriculum, I'm up there, you know, I've prepared, I've studied, I've done all these things and gotten ready. And I look on the very front row and there's a kid who is doing a complete handstand 
but he's being still and he's paying attention. I was like, hey, listen, if that's what it takes, we're gonna roll with it. So if you feel like you need to do a handstand tonight, you will not distract me, I'll just keep rolling on. But I share all that with you because the best week ever really is an exciting week as Ashley shared, we'll have so many kids and have an opportunity to impact so many families throughout that week. And this curriculum has been really good as we look at uh, the twists and turns in the life of Peter. So in week one, we looked at the theme of Jesus is holy and we see Peter following after Jesus. Uh, we see Jesus invited Peter and the other disciples to follow after him and not to just be fishermen, but to be fisher, uh, fishers of men and to seek uh, out where God was leading them and what Jesus would call them to do. And he promised to make them fishers of men. Uh, in week two, we looked at that Jesus is trustworthy. And we see that was the story of Peter stepping out of the boat onto the water, following after Jesus. Uh, and Peter, as he's stepping out, begins to sink. He cries out to Jesus. Uh, and then we see Jesus respond with, Peter, why did you doubt me? And is your faith really that small? And in week three, uh, we talked about Jesus is forgiving. And we looked at the uh, story of when Peter denied Jesus three times, but even though he denied Jesus three times, yet Jesus restored him back. Uh, we see that he denied him three times before his death. We then see that after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, sometime after that, that Peter and the disciples are out fishing again. Jesus appears to them on the shore and calls out to them. He speaks to Peter and says, Peter, he asked him three times, like, do you love me? And Peter responds every time, yes. And Jesus said, if you love me, then feed my sheep or care for my sheep and shepherd my flock. And so Jesus commands Peter to care for his followers. In last week's session or in session four, the week before we had our WAM presentation, we heard that Jesus is worth following. And we saw that Peter boldly spoke about Jesus. You see, the religious leaders tried to shut up or silence Peter and John after they'd healed a man and they began to continue to proclaim the goodness of who Jesus was and what he had done and that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no way else through uh, except to, to God except through Jesus. And the, the religious leaders took them aside and said, hey, listen, you got to stop talking about this Jesus. And they said, we cannot help and talk, but talk about the things that we've seen and we've experienced and that we've heard. So you can tell us to be quiet, but we're not going to. We're going to continue to proclaim the good news of the gospel. And then tonight, as I said, we come to the conclusion of uh, this study and the twists and turns of Peter's life. And tonight we're going to see that Jesus is for everyone and it will see that as Peter begins to share Jesus with a man named Cornelius. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Acts and we're gonna be in Acts chapter 10. Um, and as you're turning there and we get ready for our study tonight, I wanna ask you to think about a, a question. Um, think about a time where maybe you have been somewhere, whether that's in our state, whether that's out of the state, whether it's in country or out of country or across the country, wherever it may be, that you've gone and you've looked around and you've realized like, man, this is way different than where I'm from. Or you look around and you quickly realize like, this is not the culture that I'm used to. Or maybe these people are not speaking the language that I understand or that I know or that I can hear in my own language and understand what they're saying. Or maybe you just look around and you're like, I definitely stick out like a sore thumb uh, where I am. Have any of y'all ever been in a situation like that? 
where you just feel like, okay, this is not my culture, this is not my people. I can think back to we, when uh, I graduated from UNA over in Florence and I moved to Memphis for seminary. Now I grew up in Muscle Shoals my whole life. So you can just imagine like Muscle Shoals, small town, a lot like Athens. I don't hold it against me that I'm from Muscle Shoals, but uh, moving to Memphis was an experience. Like I just decided on a whim, well not on a whim, I was going to Mid-America Seminary. I had never visited the campus, but that's where my grandmother and uh, the pastor she used to work for said that's where I should go, so that's where I went. And I can remember one time in Memphis, uh, we were coming back from downtown Memphis and I was headed back. I lived in Mississippi, just across state line. I stopped in a gas station to ask for directions because in Alabama, usually, especially in Muscle Shoals, and I would think Athens, if you're lost or you need to make sure you're going the right direction, like you could safely walk into a gas station uh, and ask for directions and that's all you're gonna get, right? I mean, that's what we would pretty much all expect. So I'm on the phone with Amanda. We're not married at that time. I'm driving back to my apartment. She's going back to her apartment and I stopped. I said, hey, stay on the phone with me. And as I do, I walk in this gas station and I'm approaching the gas station. There's a whole bunch of people standing outside. And this lady comes up to me and she says, can I help you? I said, yes, ma'am. I am looking, I'm trying to make sure, I'm not from here, I'm trying to make sure that I'm on the right road to get back to Olive Branch, Mississippi. She said, yes, you're good. Well, then I said, thank you. Well, as I'm turning to walk away, uh, this lady proceeds in very colorful language to offer me more services than what I had asked her for. Uh, and this is my first experience of an encounter with a hooker or a prostitute, whatever you would like to refer to her. And that was when I realized like, hey, this is not the culture and the people that I am used to. All I wanted was directions. That's it. That's all I needed. Uh, but I also think of a more positive experience of that. Like, and I think Andrew's got a picture of it, of when my wife and I had a chance. We went to uh, Uganda to work with some missionary partners of ours. And so in this picture is the first church service that we did there. And this was one of the seminary students that was at the seminary we were working at. And they met literally out in the middle of a cornfield that they had like knocked down all the corn before we got there, put up a pole. And on Sundays, they borrowed the tarp from another pastor and brought it to their place. And they put it up while they had church. Then they took it back down. And then somebody else used it at their church that they were also meeting at in a field. And so you can look and see like, that probably doesn't look anything like what you and I would experience in a church. But can I tell you, that was one of the best church experiences I've ever had in my whole life. Like there was no sound system, there was no microphone, there was no, like there was a language barrier, there was all these things that could have hindered it. But it's one of the best experiences I've ever had because what I realize is like, while it looks like we don't have a lot in common, like we have a whole lot in common because we serve the same God, we worship the same God, he does the same things in each and every believer's life. And so it really opened my eyes to see that like, while some people don't look like us or talk like us, it's real funny because they do speak some English there, but it's Queens English, so it's real funny when you try to talk to people and you're from Alabama and they're not. So that's real interesting as well. Uh, and there's some sayings that just don't translate very well. But in that experience, like the Lord really opened up my eyes and my heart to see like, I'm, I'm the same God for everybody all over the world. And so as we look at this passage tonight, I think what we're gonna begin to see is that Peter, uh, he begins to have an encounter with God that commands him to go and preach a message 
to people that are not like him and they didn't worship like he did. And so as you've got your Bible open to Acts chapter 10, we'll begin to read. Uh, we're going to try to finish the whole chapter. We'll see uh, how that goes. But in Acts chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 1 through 8 to begin with. It says this, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. He was a centurion uh, of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and he prayed continually to God. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. And he is lodging with one Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. You see, the first person that we meet in our study tonight is a man by the name of Cornelius. Like you, you read just like I do. He's a military man in charge of about 100 soldiers. But not just that he's a military man. Like he was a leader who worked for Rome in Caesarea, which was a Jewish region. So why is that important for us to know? Well, the Jews didn't necessarily really want the Romans to be there in their land and to be in control and to tell them what to do. And because of that sentiment, the Jews and the Gentiles, like Cornelius, really would not have spent time together. In particular, Jewish standards or the Old Testament law, like things you see laid out uh, in that fun Old Testament book of Leviticus that tell you like what you should or should not do, what you can or cannot eat, how to be clean, how to be un or what is unclean, how to go through all those things to make yourself back clean. Like all of those standards would have barred a Jew like Peter from associating with a Gentile like Cornelius based on their cleanliness standards. But we also see that Cornelius is not just a military man. Like when you read that description, like it's really important to see he's somebody who feared God. We see that he's somebody who was generous, like he supported those around him and cared for others. But he was also a man of prayer and he has this vision from God and he sees an angel and hears him speak to him. And the angel tells him, listen, here's what you need to do. But before he says that to him, he says, listen, your prayers have been heard by God and here's what you're going to do. They say, go find this guy named Simon Peter, which is the Peter that we know from our study. Now I know this gets really confusing because he's like, go find Simon Peter. He's in the house of Simon, who's a tanner. It's like, did they not have more names than Simon? Like, why can't we just like name people different names? But for whatever reason, they're both named Simon, which gets a little confusing, but one is Peter, one is a tanner. And he tells him like, he go down and, and he's in Joppa and you'll find him there. What's interesting also, like just as an interesting tie-in, let's give you a little bit of Bible trivia for Wednesday night. Where else do we read about Joppa in the Old Testament? Does anybody remember? With Jonah, yeah, that's where Jonah tries to uh, leave from to get away from going to Nineveh. So he's at Joppa. So that really doesn't have a whole lot to do with the story, but I thought that was a really uh, interesting point. But what this first passage tells us is that this is a significant point to show that Jesus, in spite of what some people thought, especially the Jews, he's not just for the Jews. Like he's not just the savior of one people group. He is the savior for the whole world. And Jesus is for people, Gentiles, like you and I, like Cornelius in this story, like he's for us. 
All right, so let's keep moving, and we're going to kind of continue to read on in the story in Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 9. Look with me there. It says, The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter up on the, uh, went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and was wanting something to eat. But while they were fixing the food, Peter fell into a trance and saw the heavens open up and something like a great sheet descending down. And it was being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was innerly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made an inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask where Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, there's men, three men who are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. So Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one that you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? So this story continues, and now we're kind of transitioning from uh, Cornelius and his vision and his encounter with the angel of the Lord or an angel of God. And now Peter is hungry, but he's also having this vision while the food's being prepared. And it continues this story. Uh, and this is the same Peter we've been studying all along. So it's the same Peter. Keep in mind, all the things I recapped at the beginning, same, same guy with all the twists and turns in his life. And now he's having this vision from the Lord. Uh, Cornelius' men, they're on their way to find Peter, and the Lord begins to work on Peter. And even before Peter's vision, the Lord is at work on him because he's staying with Simon the Tanner. Now think, when you hear Tanner, like I don't know, that's not Tanner, Alabama, that is Tanner profession, like he's a leather maker. So, and I don't know, like, I don't know a whole lot about leather making, but I know that it involves dead animals and their skins and you tan them and you put them in all these chemicals and you dye them in all these colors. And again, you think about, here's Peter, a devout Jew called by God to feed his people, to feed his sheep and to carry the good news of the gospel. Well, now he's staying with a guy who's a tanner. And if you know anything about Jews in the Old Testament law and their customs, like they would not be anywhere near dead animals or animal skins or anybody who works with that because that would make them unclean. And so that's why I say like God is already at work in Peter's heart because he's kind of gotten over the hurdle of like, this guy's not like me. What he does is unclean, but he's still staying in his house. And so then Peter has this vision of all these things that he, since his birth, has been taught. You cannot eat this and you cannot participate in this. And he sees all these things coming down and, they, and he hears his voice saying, listen, get up, kill these things and eat them. And Peter's like, absolutely not. Like all my life I've lived this way. I mean, you think about this, like you think about if all your life you devoted yourself to living a certain way and then all of a sudden you get this command and it says, listen, everything you've done don't do that anymore and violate what you used to do. Like that's how serious this would be to Peter. And so he sees this vision of, I just picture like bacon and catfish and any kind of shellfish because Jewish people can't eat those things if they hold to the Old Testament standard. Picture all those things coming down and Peter's like, I can't do it. But God says, listen, like you don't get to call unclean what I have made clean. 
And it's this, this is vision, and it's God speaking and preparing Peter to do what he was calling him to do and helping him to get over this other hurdle of, like, listen, like, I have came, I come to fulfill all of the Old Testament law. I'm the new way. Like, we don't have to hold to these standards anymore. Your holiness is not in those standards. It's in your relationship with the Lord. And so while Peter's having this vision, the men show up, and they call out for Peter, and he's up on the rooftop. He hears this. He comes down, and he begins to say, like, what are y'all doing here, and why have you come uh, to find me? And so then we have these three people uh, who are from totally different backgrounds and see that God is beginning to work for all of them. Like Jesus is for people like Cornelius. We also need to see that Jesus is for people like Peter to help them get over the hurdles in their life to help them go out and to share the gospel. So now what happens? Well, let's keep reading. Uh, Acts chapter 10, begin it picking back up in verse 22. He says, and they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who's well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation. He was directed by a holy angel for us to come and to get you and to come to this house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guest. And the next day he arose and went with them and some of the brothers, so these are his other Jewish companions from Joppa accompanied him. And their following day they entered Caesarea Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him. He fell down at his feet and he worshiped him. But Peter lifted the man up saying, stand up. I am too, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many people uh, had gathered there in his house. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anybody of another nation. Don't miss this. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then, why have you sent for me? And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who's called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent you at once, I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So here we see that Cornelius not only obeyed God and was obedient to go and send for Peter, but he also knew that God would be faithful to send Peter. God's messenger with a message. And because he knew that to be true about God and he knew that God would do what he said he would do, Cornelius wanted everybody that he knew to come and to hear what God was going to say through Peter. So Peter arrives and it's really interesting because you know we you think of things that are out of our cultural norms. Like Peter comes in to Cornelius' house and Cornelius falls on his face and begins to worship at Peter's feet. Now, I don't know, like, I think back to also when we went to Uganda, like, because they were a British colony, every lady, when you meet them, regardless of, like, how old they were, if they knew that I was a pastor, they would do this very thing and, like, touch my feet and, like, get on the ground before me. If they were uh, young ladies or little girls, they would come up and do the whole curtsy thing and not make eye contact. I'm like, get up. Like, <laughs> you're making me very uncomfortable. I'm just like you. 
And so we see that happen here. And Peter's like, listen, you're making a scene. Get up off the ground because I'm too, I'm just like you. But he's treated like royalty. And Peter reminds him, hey, listen, I'm not royalty. I'm just who God sent. So then we see Peter. And you have to imagine that like the wheels are probably turning in his mind because of all that he's experienced at this point. He begins to realize what God is doing. And he confesses to the people in this house, hey, listen, just so y'all know, I know you know this, but I'm going to remind you, normally I wouldn't be here because it's not right for me to come into a house that is full of Gentiles. But we know and we see and we hear and they hear that God has changed his heart. Like God has softened his heart to reach out to a people that Peter would not have normally reached out to. He asked, why did you send for me? And Cornelius begins to tell him all the things that God had told him. And then he says, hey, listen, we are all here so that we can hear what God has to say through you. And so here we see that Jesus is not just for Cornelius, he's not just for Peter, but we also see that Jesus is for all people, like our friends and like our family, like our neighbors, like the people in our community or all across our nation or in this world. I mean, you think about where we live, like you think about whether it's your neighborhood or the city that you live in, there are people who are all around us, especially as our area and our part of the state is growing so much. Like there are people here around us that are completely different from us. Like I think about like when we got ready to move here, like North Alabama is familiar to me because in Athens is close to Muscle Shoals, like you're an hour away from my hometown. But also like it's totally different from my hometown because I don't know everybody here. I didn't grow up with people here. I don't know, I know some of the ins and outs, like I know how things are kinda gonna go in certain situations. But then you think about like, I thought about for my wife, like she's from South Alabama. And I think South Alabama, even though it's part of Alabama, it's a world different. Like we don't talk the same. Like she makes fun of my accent. They call things weird things down there. It's just weird. And then you think about all the people who move into our state who are from all over the country or all over the world. But whether it's culture, whether it's stage of life, whether it's ethnicity, whether it's age or whatever it may be, like it's important to understand that we are all different. And it is an opportunity for each and every one of us, just like Peter, to see people the way that God sees them. Like to see people that they are God's creation, that he created them to have a personal relationship with him. And it doesn't matter how different any of us may be from each other, we need to understand and realize like the gospel is for all and Christ is for all. Like his death was for all. So with this realization, what does Peter do? Well, if you've read earlier in the book of Acts, you know what Peter's gonna do, but let's just look uh, for sake of knowing exactly what he says. Verse 34, he says, Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anybody who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, for he is Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God appointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in uh, Jerusalem and they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. 
And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. And to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So what happened? Peter shared this message. What happens? Verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. So then Peter uh, declared, can anybody withhold water for baptizing these people? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain with them for some days. This is very similar to what we see happening at the day of Pentecost uh, in the earlier part of uh, the book of Acts. Peter opens his mouth and he begins to share the gospel. He shares the gospel with everybody who's been gathered by Cornelius in this house to hear the good news of the gospel. And the results, well, people believed. And the Holy Spirit, it says, fell on all who heard the word. See, people's lives were changed. Like <laughs> they went from being dead to alive. And particularly, it was people who were not Jewish. And it was interesting to Peter's friends who were also Jewish that came with him because they see a people who they're not supposed to be with, that they're not supposed to associate with, let alone be in their house. They see them, hear the gospel, the same gospel they had heard and believed, and they see the same thing that happened to them happened to Gentiles, and it says they were amazed. They were amazed because they didn't think that this would happen. Now, I would point back to the Old Testament and tell them that's some very narrow-minded thinking because if you go back in the Old Testament all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, I think it's around verse 3 or verse 6, where God is speaking to Abraham and telling Abraham, hey, listen, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to give you descendants that are as numerous as the stars in the sky or the sand on the sea. And that's a great promise to Abraham. But don't miss the other promise he made to Abraham. He's like, through you, through you, Abraham, not only am I going to create this nation, you're going to have all these wonderful descendants, but through you, all the nations will be blessed. And this happening with Peter in this text is fulfillment of that promise that God gave all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. Because God is using his people to carry the good news of the gospel, the promised redeemer of the Old Testament has come and has offered his life as a sacrifice. He's ascended back to heaven to give us the hope of eternal life. And now Peter's sharing that good news with Gentiles who are not of the people of God and now they're becoming part of the family of God. They are entering into a relationship with God. And so they begin to rejoice, they, they begin to celebrate and worship God. And again, don't miss that the people who traveled with Peter, they stood there in amazement. So with this, we see that Jesus is for all, whether that's your background, whether that's your zip code, whether that's you grew up in church or not, like Jesus is for you and he's for me. And so as we wrap this up and we kind of tie a bow on this study that we've uh, covered over these five Wednesday nights, I want to kind of ask you some questions for application and to help you think. And don't worry, like you don't have to answer them or raise your hand right now. Like I really do want you to kind of think on these things. Uh, but in this passage, like we see Cornelius take steps of obedience and faith. Like he obeyed God and sent for Peter. He also stepped out in faith knowing that God would send a message through Peter. So he gathered everybody that he could to hear that message. So here's the question for you to think about. What would it look like for you and me 
to see where we live, where we work, where we play, where we shop, where we interact with other people? What would it take for us to see those places as places to share the gospel message? Like what would it look like for us, just like Cornelius, to be highly intentional to share the gospel with those around us? Like you've heard it, like whether you've come here tonight, you've heard it proclaimed, you come on a Sunday morning and in, in either in groups or in our worship service on Sunday morning through song and in message, you hear the gospel. So what would it take for you and I to see every opportunity that we have, every person that we encounter, every person we pass by, what would it take for us to see them as an opportunity to share the good news of the gospel? And that's different for everybody, because if you're like me, like if you, you know, confession's good for the soul, but bad for the reputation sometimes. Like I think about just this afternoon, I walk into Publix because I need to pick up a few groceries and I just want to get in and out like as fast as I can. So I'm listening to a podcast in the car. I don't want it to stop. So what do I do? I pop in my headphones as I'm getting out of the car to walk in. And I realize like as I'm thinking through this message, like I'm ignoring every single person around me. Now, granted, I'm listening to like a Bible podcast, but I mean, how much more of the Bible do I need to know that I need to share the gospel with people around me? So I'm not just saying that to you, like the Lord's brought conviction in my own life about this. So what would it take for us to, to share the gospel message with people around us? Or the second thing is, as Cornelius, Peter, and those who heard the gospel came to understand that Jesus was for them, they responded in obedience. Like I said, Cornelius sent for Peter, Peter came, Peter proclaimed the gospel, the audience responded and they were baptized. What steps of obedience do you and I need to take to respond now that we have been reminded that Jesus is for us and with us along all of life's twists and turns? Like, what do you and I need to do personally? Like, what do we need to do to step out in obedience to follow after the Lord and to do what he's called us to do? I mean, that may be something as simple as praying for a family member, praying for a coworker, praying for a neighbor. It may be just as simple as like going up to somebody and asking them, hey, how are you doing? And really listening to when they respond of, hey, I'm not doing great. Or, you know, if they go a little bit further than the Southern hello of I'm good, I'm fine. Like if they go further than that, it could be us just listening and hear, looking for an opportunity to share the good news of the gospel. It's different for each and every one of us, but the command to go and share the gospel is for all of us. And so I just wanted to share that with y'all tonight. And I would um, ask you, as Ashley mentioned earlier, to be praying for our, our best week ever that's coming up in, in June. It's coming up really quickly. Uh, I'd ask you to pray for Ashley and for all of the volunteers and the workers. You know, I don't know if all of you have ever grown up in church or what, but I've been around church I mean, my whole life, I, I grew up going to church long before I ever came out of the womb. Uh, and I know what it takes to pull off a vacation Bible school. It doesn't matter the number of people that come. It's always going to be a lot of work and it takes a lot of effort. Uh, and I would say on behalf of our church staff, thank you for supporting that ministry. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to reach the people in the community, but pray for those who are serving and pray for those that are coming. Like they'll come, there'll be people that come from our church and we know them, but we sometimes don't know all the things that they're, they're experiencing, especially when you deal with kids, you don't know what they're walking through that door carrying on their shoulders or what they've experienced in their life. And this may be the first time that they hear the gospel or it may be the first time they hear the gospel and they understand it. Whatever it may be, just pray that the Lord would speak to their hearts. Pray the Lord would uh, just give us a great week and that everything would go well and that we'd see kids come to know 
Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I'd even say pray that through them hearing the gospel, they can go home and be messengers of God to their family and share the good news of the gospel with them. So I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. Thank you all for being here with us tonight. Uh, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the opportunity that we've had, Lord, just in the past few weeks, just to celebrate so many things that are just, Lord, evidence of what you are doing in and around us and through the ministries of our church, through the lives of our people. Lord, we just rejoice in all those things. And Lord, we say thank you. Thank you that, uh, God, you care about us. You pursue a relationship with each and every one of us. Thank you that you sent uh, your son Jesus to die uh, a sinner's death on the cross and pay the price for our sins. Lord, so that we could be offered the gift of salvation. Uh, and Lord, that we could come into a right relationship with you and that we can know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And Lord, I pray tonight as we've studied this passage, and Lord, we've looked at the twists and turns of Peter's life and all the things that he's experienced and God, just to see, Lord, you are continuing to use him for your good and for the good of others, Lord, for your glory and to share the good news of the gospel. Lord, I pray that we would all be encouraged and reminded, Lord, that we get an opportunity to participate in the work that you're doing. And Lord, we do pray uh, for our best week ever. We do pray for Ashley and so many others that put in the work to make it happen. I thank you for those that volunteer their time. Uh, Lord, that those that volunteer and have been working on decorations for weeks now, Lord, for those that will come and donate snacks or just provide some relief to workers, Lord, whatever role people play, Lord, I pray uh, that you would use us all to communicate very clearly the gospel message. And Lord, that we would see young and old come to know you as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, we would rejoice uh, as we watch them follow in believers' baptism. And Lord, as we continue as a church to support and encourage them in their walk with the Lord, may you be glorified in it all. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank y'all, and y'all have a good night.